This is the All Black Everything Podcast, and you are listening to the third in a series of Kwanzaa tapes. Today's principle is Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility to build and maintain our community together and to make our brothers and sisters problems, our problems, and to solve them together. Today, we welcome to history Bobby Gaffin, and this is his interview, Overcoming Adversity. First off, thank you for taking the time to be a part of Black History in this way, man. I, I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to speaking with you for a while now anyway, man, because because you've just been, just been making some really dope moves, and I've just been seeing how you've been working. Like, yo, Bobby's just a dope dude. So I'm like, I'm appreciate looking forward to talking to you, man. Appreciate it. But yeah, so um, I start with the word association. So I just pick five random words or phrases and just say whatever comes to mind. All right. Let's get it. All right. So the first word is Black business. Black business. The, the first thing that comes to mind is, is hair care products. And uh, I think that's because it's so important for the culture. And then you have, um, you know, Madam CJ Walker. And, and you know, she's like one of the first black millionaires and, and just really like a, a business genius. Don't really think they did her justice in that last Netflix uh, movie, but at least the story is getting out there. And then um, really comes to, um, you know something that like like a plight that's been like a commonality in um in our in our history is other people capitalizing on on what um we popularize and taking our opportunities and then you really see how um i mean several different asian communities you know are um really super dominant in the in the black hair care market and um and then a lot of um you know, black owned businesses or, or black owned hair product companies, you know, are bought out by, by large conglomerates. Um, sometimes yeah. they never even had a black owner, but but the branding and things is so on point that that you really can't tell. And so um, it really brings it back to how um, black businesses are at such a disadvantage, you know, um, when, when you look at other communities like the Hispanic community or you know, little Ethiopia, you know, Jewish community, um, their, their community speaks to the people. And so since, you know, their businesses speak to the people, the people have to go to them. But the crazy thing is that like America's cultural identity is like so rooted in the black experience, you know, because historically Europeans were trying to get away from European culture, you know, with um, you know Shakespeare and classical music, so that like our fingerprint is like so ingrained that everybody speaks to our language. So it, anyone can um, can market to Black people because you market to Black people how you market to everyone. And so um, I think that's you know one of the reasons why Black um, businesses are at such a disadvantage. And, and was really um, you know excited for the support Black business hashtag because. It's, it's like, it's needed, you know, like McDonald's, they don't make a black commercial. They just make a commercial, you know, and they might, they might do like a spin that's like 
more urban, but I mean, you'll see a lot of black element in just a, a normal Nike commercial, a normal, you know, any kind of commercial. So, you know, we have to support black businesses. I think it's everyone's responsibility, even those that, that aren't black, so. I mean, I, I fully agree. I've, I support so many black businesses, like any chance, I actually, I look for chances to support black businesses. Like I, I purposefully do it just cause one, I am a black business. Two, I understand that, that what it's like to be a black business owner, right? So, mm-hmm. just just having that rapport of, hey, I'm gonna support you because I already know. Like for me, it's like another level. You know what I'm saying? So, so I 100% agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it has to be intentional, man. It, it was like dope. Like, um, you know, I'm out here in Orange County right now. Um, you know, didn't grow up out here, but but been out here for a while. And so, just um, during the whole 2020, you know. BLM movement and the George Floyd stuff. I saw even like a lot of non-black people like sharing like what are all the black owned restaurants in Orange County? Cause there's there's not enough, but they're they're out there and you know, you drive past them and walk past them and you don't even know. And so um, you know, it's it's good to see people making it intentional because it, it needs to be intentional. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So the next word is community. Uh, community, you know, the first thing that came up was the Merck Park, you know, just like with the with the drum circles and just so many like business opportunities there. And, and just, um, you know, um, I was born in L.A. I was I was born in L.A., but but, um, you know, grew up out like in like the Riverside area. But, you know, I always find myself, you know, back to the Merck Park and that that, you know, Crenshaw area for for something. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for for community. Nice. Okay, that's what's up. All right. Next word is leadership. Uh, leadership. Um, hmm. I think um, one thing that comes to mind is my my grandfather. Uh, he was a really strong leader, um, and 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 he really, you know, like left a legacy. And and um, you know, it's just crazy to see everything that he's accomplished. And um, you know, he has an elementary school named after him. And um, he was a pretty prominent, you know, pastor in the Chicago area and, um, you know, how he just put, you know, his value system and just being like a man of his word and, and really just doing the right thing, like over everything, you know, even, you know, sometimes to like to his own detriment, you know, like, so he was, his biggest thing was like, like leaving, um, I want to say like, a almost like a social wealth instead of like a, um, you know, like, like, like being wealthy and passing that down. It's like, like he passed down so many tools. And, and so um, he was, he was definitely like a leader. Nice. Nice. I'm from Chicago, by the way. Um, okay. What's his name? Uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Isaac Singleton. So my, my, my mom's family's from Joliet. Oh, I'm a, that name sounds really familiar. I'm like, I feel like I've, I'm confident I've heard that name. I'm just not registering the face with it yet, but I'm like, man, that sounds really familiar. I'm gonna have yeah. to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that up because I'm like, okay. I know, I know, I know, I know that name. I know, yeah, I know he, I've seen him. Yeah, he he's been around, man. He, he was like marching with Dr. King, um, so he was always, even though they're outside of Chicago, he was really involved with like a lot of Chicago politics, and you know, um, he, he even you know did some stuff with Obama. Um, you know, before, before Obama was a Senator. And so, um, so yeah, he's pr- pretty well known in the, in the area. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm gonna have to check him out. Cause I, I know I remember, and I just gotta 
looking it's gonna it's gonna all like soon as i see it I'm like oh i know exactly what this is yeah. all right so uh moving on to the next word uh, is b-e-t b-e-t <laughs> wasted opportunity um disappointment twerking <laughs> not, not, nothing really good man i think i think bt um was a powerful platform and um you know i just i just wish wish they would have did more i think um yeah it's like it's like you know you go back and it's like man like bt and then you really go back and like there's not much like positive that like came from it like you know the bt awards dope you know like right. you know you know, cause like, like it was, that, that's always like my birthday week. So they make sure that like my birthday weekend is like, you know, is like extra turn, but Lit. like just that huge platform didn't really accomplish anything. So it's like probably best that, that he sold it to Viacom. Cause it was basically just like an MTV clone. And um, so yeah, it's just a huge wasted opportunity, but I, I, I can't even think of one positive thing to say about BT. So, so the, the thing that I find interesting for this, right? So because of how I was kind of raised on BET, like I'm, I'm so hopeful that they'll turn it around, right? And so for me, it's really interesting to include this word into the word association because I'm hoping at some point that the tide is going to turn. It's like, okay, they're kind of decent. And to the, you know, they're, they're, they're back to their OG to, man, they're so much better. Like I'm hoping that we get to that point. It's probably going to be years. Cause I know right now they are just so not good, but I'm like hoping for them to, to, to live up to their name at some point. So I keep it, I keep including it. Cause I'm like, it, you want it to be so much better than what it is. You know so, what I mean? So, so what, what, what are some of those fond memories that you have? Cause I, I know that like, it, it was just where you would get the new music videos and that was dope to like, have like that platform, you know, but they could have did so much more. Man. I, I absolutely I absolutely agree that they could have done so much more. But what they did do for me was just my interest in film and entertainment and media. <laughs> it gave me an outlet and a way to see that there's a there's a place for my voice or at least to start with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll it's not that. just all white creators creating white stuff. It's there are black people out there creating music videos and creating really cool concepts and really making stories and movies in these music videos. You know, they, they have a full voice in these music videos that are fully accepted here where it normally wouldn't be on like TV or or in a movie. So I, 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 I do feel that because if you look at back in the day, like the Hype Williams videos. Yeah, I mean. Brother, he he used to go in. Those videos yeah. used to be like productions, man. Yeah. I remember, I remember the first time watching the hypnotized video, and it was like, what? Like, bro, like this is this is like incredible, you know, like like lethal weapon action scenes. Like, I mean, yeah. like this is for real directing. Like, this is like not just like yeah, we need three girls. All right, we need two girls by the pool. All right, now <laughs> we, we're gonna have this guy at the barbecue grill. Like, I mean, it was like actual like scenes, like cut, like, you know, like, I mean, yeah. So I, I do feel you on that because they, they did showcase um, and, and music, music videos were, were so much better back then. You know, like now it's like every once in a while you get a good music video. But back then, I mean, it was just artists were like pushing the boundaries, like Missy yeah. Elliott, you know, yeah. I remember the, the California Love where it was like Mad Max and the Thunderdome. Like, I mean, yes, they used to go, awesome. they used to go in on videos back then, man. Like you couldn't just get like three pretty chicks and like, yeah, man, 
No, nah, you had you had to go in and be like, what is yeah. this? That was you like know? a golden era for music videos. I think we're starting to finally get back to that. Like this most recent uh, Normani video where she did like some Aaliyah S type type choreography. It was cool yeah. as hell. And I'm like, we're, we're starting to get back to that. And I'm really, really enjoying it. So I'm like, yeah. That's good, man. That's great. I, I really kind of stopped watching these videos because, man, you know, like I'm all for like expression and and all that. But, you know, and, and, and there you do need a platform to express like negativity too. So, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm with that, but man, some of these, some of this new like music, it's just like, man, get a bunch of guns, some money, have some girls twerk and bam, you got a video. And it's like, like, nah, man, like you can like be deeper than that, man. Like you can, like you can actually, you know, but. See, and, and, and part of me likes that the industry is in a way that way, only in that all of the stuff that's really good sticks out that much more, right? Because really? I skip over all of the stuff that you're talking about, I completely skip over, right? Yeah. Unless every now and again, you know, I, I want to listen to a little bit of Juicy J for sure, right? You know what I'm saying? I want to I wanna turn up whatever, right? But for the most part, a lot of this new stuff that's out, I just don't even listen to it. It's, it's, yeah. it's not even interesting. I mean, there's new stuff that's coming out from artists that just aren't, you know, hitting the radio in the same way, or I'll just listen to an album all the way through. Like, I'm actually surprised at how good and how much I like the new Migos album. Like, mm. 100%, you listen to it all the way through. And I'm like, this is actually really good. Like, mm. I, I don't expect any album nowadays to have 100% dope music from beginning to end. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's just the expectation. Same way with music videos. So I'm just like, I'll see one or two, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> back to TV or back to whatever else. Because, mm -hmm. like you say, a lot of them are just full of trash, and I'm, I just don't even entertain them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so moving on, uh, the last word is police. Oh man, that's that's a that's a trigger word, man. Um, when you say police, I think um, I think the enemy. You know, I think um, a threat. You know, I think um, my safety being jeopardized, and 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 it's like really unfortunate because. Uh, you know, there's been times when, like, you know, I've been doing stuff I wasn't supposed to do, but I think um, the antagonizing and and the the, the the stereotyping and really just the blatant like attacks from police, you know, started, you know, like soon as I hit high school and you know was able to, to well, I, I say right after high school when I really started driving, and then it was like wait. Like this dude could pull you over and do whatever he wants to you whenever he wants. And like, you know, it. I think that's like when I grew up and um, made me like really like question a lot of things that I believed in. And, you know, because, you know, it's like, oh, you know, do what's right. And, you know, man, it's, it's the law, even though there's a lot of, you know, racism and inequality, you know, generally speaking, you know, you do what's good. And then it's like, wait, you could do what's good and still like get jacked up by the police or you could still like get harassed and, you know, and just so many like countless examples of cops just like, like pulling you over and just like hoping you're a gang member. Yeah. And it's like, like, why do you want me to be from a gang so bad? Like, I don't have any tattoos, bro. Like, like, why do you want me to be a gang member? Like, why are you hoping that I have drugs? You know what I'm saying? Like you say that you pulled me over because um, my tail light didn't work. Okay, so that like, why are you like you're like hoping to like get like the the drug bust of the decade 
by pulling over a 98 Civic. Like, bro, like that doesn't even make sense, you know? And then it's like what it what they don't realize what it does is that it, it actually like alienates, you know, young black men and it pushes you towards the criminals because, you know, you hear growing up like, oh, you know, gang members are bad, this, that, and the police stop you and they're like, oh, are you from a gang? And it's like, nah, I'm not from a gang. Like, okay, well, we're looking for gang members. And then you meet gang members and they're like, hey, how you doing, bro? Oh man, good to see you. Like, and it's like, right. wait, this this the dude I'm supposed to be scared of? Like, this dude's actually nice. You right. know what I mean? Like this guy actually like treats me with respect. And so, um, you know, so like the police is just, it's just crazy. It's just like no respect. And um, I remember, um, so I, I did end up getting into some trouble and, um, you know, had to do like a couple months in jail. And so when I came home, like I told my mom, I was like, man, you know, one of the most um, disheartening parts about being in jail was that I realized that that was the place where I've gotten the most respect in my whole life. And I'll never get that much respect anywhere else. Wow. And, um, and I think that's the issue with police is there's just no respect. And so it's like, you're in jail and, you know, some, some essay, you know, with tattoos on his face, you know, steps on your shoes. Like he looks you in your eyes and apologizes like, Hey man, I'm sorry. Like, so that way, like, if anything happens, it's on you. Like I apologize like a man. So, you know, I did not mean to do that. So now if you start something, I'm down, but you know, like I respect you, like I don't want no problems. And so, I mean, it's just like, you know, and it's not every cop, but I think what people don't understand is that like, um, you know, a force of, you know, 20, 30 cops. I mean, like even, even just one cop and he's going out there every day, you know, and it's just like, no, it's like no respect. Like, you know, I had cops would be like, hey, like, so where are you going? I'm like, yo, I'm going to, going to class, you know, going to school. And then it's like, well, what's in your bag? Like, bro, it's a, it's a book bag, it's a book. <laughs> and then they'll just like dump out the bag, dump it out of my back seat. Wow. And then it's like, okay, well, it's just books. All right, have a nice day. It's like, dude, if you don't put this stuff, if you don't like, you know what I'm saying? Right. At least they say sorry or like, like something like, I no mean, respect. yeah. And there's just, there's just so many that have no respect. And, and it's just, um, it, it really makes a lot of black men feel that, <clears throat> that we're not like part of society. And, and I think that's one of like the strongest allures of like other streets um, is that like, this is somewhere where like, where I belong. And this is somewhere where, you know, like people aren't gonna right. treat me like that. You know what I mean? Or right. If they are, at least it's just the enemies. Like, so I just stay away from those people. And, and you know, so I, I think policing has a long way to go. You know, I agree with some, some of the concepts of like defunding the police, like can't fully get rid of the police, but I think um, there needs to be some, some training. You know, the budgets need to be, you know, completely, completely revamped, you know, top to bottom. You know, yep. I think, um, most of the people in charge, they, they don't even have a clue of what their job is, you know, like they're just totally lost. And it's like, um, they'll go into a community of thousands of people and harass hundreds of people to find 
you know, the five guys that are causing trouble. And it's yep. just like, well, now you harass so many people. Now it's 10 gang. Now it's 10 guys. Cause you just, you just push five guys, you know, to the wrong path, you right. know, by, by harassing them, you know, like, and you know, so there, there, there's a, there's a lot of improvement, you know, a lot of growth. That's just, that's just necessary. I, I agree with a lot of what you said, man, especially the part I'm reminded about with just being more comfortable with gangbangers than you are with police. Like I, when I'm thinking about it now, even as a kid, like I was told to stay away from the gangbangers and not be like them and all of that. And I walked past them every day, walking to the bus stop and they were the coolest people. Like they never had beef with me. It never was drama. The first time they ever said anything to me, I gave them like a smart answer and they was like, oh, he good. And that was it. And after that, they was like, yeah, that's the smart homie. Let him ride. And it was always respect. And I'm like, I never had an issue or never had a reason to even think about fearing some kind of gangbanger because I just saw him as, you know, like I would my cousins or whatever, like family, because that's how I saw that's how they treated me. It, and so it's I see so, what you mean. And it's so sad. Like I've like I've never. I've never been given a reason to be scared of a gang member. Like right. whether it's like a blood or crip, a Mexican. I mean, e even even when you see, I mean, I've been places and seen like even some of like the neo-Nazi people, they mind their own damn business. Like those guys might not like, they might not say hi to you, but they're definitely not staring at you or, or making you feel uncomfortable. They're just like, you know, you see some bikers, you, you see some like Hells Angels at the gas station. They're not looking at you crazy. They're just doing what they do you see a cop and it's like you know and, and it's like that one thing that every you know black man fears when you drive the opposite way and then they look and you yeah, look in your time. mirror and he makes a u-turn I, I remember one time i was 18 man and it's so funny because I, I ended up moving to orange county but but i was kind of scared to move out here because one time i was like 18 and i was like i was leaving my boss's house like wasn't doing anything even like remotely illegal and so i'm driving and um that happens you know the cop is coming and he looks in the car sees me and my brother and instantly makes a u-turn so then it's like i know we're clean but i don't know what the hell this guy's gonna do you know like there's no telling you know what i mean like this guy could he could plant something he he might just have us sitting on the curb for two hours he could just you know be I mean? having a bad day yeah he might he might just Oh well, you know, sit here. We're gonna check the car and you know and, and bring the dogs and you know who knows what this guy's gonna do. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get home. I don't want to be harassed for an hour and a half, two hours, you know. And so um, so I turned down another street and then like then park in, in the middle of some cars and turn the lights off. And then so me and my brother are just sitting there and then we see the cop, you know, drive by and keep straight, like trying to find us. So we just chill for like a few minutes, then leave, jump on the freeway. And it's like crazy that like as a law abiding citizen, like I'm running from the cops because like I don't know what this dude is going to do. Like, I don't know what he's going to do because it's not a traffic violation. You know what I mean? Like right. it'd be one thing if like, um, you know, like maybe my window tent was dark and you know, it's like, oh, dude, your window tint. Like, okay, cool. It wasn't none of that. This guy was looking for trouble, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's so crazy that, like, um, that that police departments, they use, you know, traffic law to, to, to harass, like, the Black community. And, like, when you look at, like, um, traffic violations are so much higher in, in urban areas. 
And I mean, I remember one time this cop pulled me over and was like, uh, I was like, so why'd you stop me, sir? And he's like, oh, your, your taillights are illegal. And I'm like, well, these are Honda taillights. And he's like, like no. he's like, no, all, all taillights have to have yellow in them. You can't have taillights that are only red and white. There has to be a yellow part. Stop I'm now. like, sir, that's not, that's not true. And he's like, oh, you're going to say you know the law better than me? I'm like, sir, yes. cor- cor- Corvettes, Corvettes don't have yellow in their lights. Like their taillights are only red. And he's like, just sign here. So I had to literally um, go to a Honda dealership, print out the actual part of the taillights, like the part number, go to a police department, have a cop confirm that my taillights match the printout from the dealership, sign it, take off off work, and then go to court to get it dismissed and pay a $25 dismissal fee. So I'm like, bro, that that like cost me like over like a couple hundred dollars. And I'm like, and I'm like a 19 year old kid, you know what I'm saying? Who's like trying to like, work my way through school. I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't have a couple hundred dollars for this nonsense. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And yeah. So man, yeah, we, we got a long way to go in, re- in respect for police, but wow. maybe it's cause I'm a little bit older, but you know, um, luckily I don't really experience any of that stuff now, but now if, if I were to, I got, <laughs> I got the money to sue now. <laughs> so, man. so um, yeah, the next cop that I up, I'm gonna uh, let him know, bro. Like, if you value your job, <laughs> do it right. Yeah, don't don't mess with me, bro. I'll, I'll I'll gladly pay for a lawyer. That's what's up. All right, man. So we'll hop right into the questions, right? So, if your life were a book, what would its title be and why? I'll probably say over overcoming adversity. You know, and I think that really goes into uh, it's really just a continuation of the last. Uh, the last conversation we had about the police, man, my twenties, it was like so many like years stolen. Like, I mean, so many incidents, like too many to even name mm-hmm. of just like police, just like harassment. I mean, just, just ridiculousness, you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and it really made me act out. So like, I never like joined a gang or anything like that, but, uh, I had a lot of friends that were gang members and, you know, was definitely doing stuff that I shouldn't have been doing, but I kind of felt like this was taken from me and I need to be like restored, you know, like just all this like harassment, fake tickets, you know, um, illegal searches, you know, lying and police reports, like, like legit one time I I legit went to jail for a delaying, an investigation to see if I stole my own car that wasn't reported stolen. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I have a hard time processing that. You had to spend time in jail because there was a delay in processing to see if your car was stolen by you and it so, never was reported stolen. Yeah. So so basically they, they say that I delayed an investigation into a stolen car, but it, it was my car. That wow. was not reported stolen. Like I was the registered owner. Wow, wow. And 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 ba- basically, what happened was, um, this is like a crazy story. Like this, this really like really messed me up. But um, 
so one of one of my boys, he was he was out, he was wilding out, and um, and so he went out to Philly to try to like change the scenery, but but Philly was even more you know grimy than we were at you know in, in Merino Valley, because um, like Merino Valley started getting pretty bad like in the early two thousands because a lot of people from Compton were moving out. It was basically like 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 Compton like part two like mm-hmm. most of okay. my close friends were from Compton, and so. Um, um, so my boy, he was just wilding out and then his mom was just like, you're going to get killed out here, you know? So she moved into Philly, which was even worse. And then, you know, rest in peace, he ended up getting killed in Philly. And so, um, so, you know, they, they sent the body back and, and then they had his wake at the funeral home. So, um, I had a job at, at, at the, um, at the mall. And so I was, um, at Ontario Mills. So I went to the wake. And then to view the body and you know pay last respects and all that, and then um, I had to go to work right after. So um, you know, I, I I forgot one of my undershirts. So then um, I'm driving to work after I left, you know, to view the body because the funeral was the next day. Um, I was like, oh shoot, you know, I, I don't have an undershirt because I gotta go to this mall. I was selling computers. That was one job I had. And I had another job. Um, where I was like a warehouse shipping clerk. So I was like doing like doing pretty, you know, straight for like a young dude right then, back then, you know? Nice. And so um, so I was like, man, I, let me just run in Burlington Coat Factory, get an undershirt, then I'll come back, change, go to work, and then just get ready, you know, like for the funeral the next day. So I, I guess when I pulled into the parking lot, like I was a little bit late. So maybe I was like going a little bit too fast. So I like parked the car. And then, um, you know, ran up into the store to get a shirt. So, and it's just all like that, um, you know, profiling and, and, and um, you know, stereotyping. So the security guard thought in his head that I stole the car and I was trying to get away from somebody. So then I ran into the mall so no one could catch me. And so the security guard thought that I was running from him which makes like no sense because you're, I could just leave them all to get away from you. He just so made that he, up. Called, wow. he, he called the police and was like, yo, I have a, a, a stolen car, um, you know, a car theft suspect. And then, so the police come to my car while I'm in the mall buying the shirt and somehow they open my car and are going through my car, like looking for evidence. Like, but there is none, like there's not even like a cigarette, but in my car, like not even like a beer, like nothing, like license, registration, insurance, like no warrants, no probation, no parole, like nothing. just a black man working two jobs. That's it. So then, um, so I come out the mall, like what the hell is going on? And so um, I was young, not as wise as I am now, but so I'm, I'm like, what's going on? And so the cop is like, um, he's like, oh, put your hands on top of the car. And I'm like, what? Okay, fine. Now what's going on? And then and then the cops, and then it started clicking what happened. I basically walked into a trap because their squad cars were pointed in different directions. So back then, this was before body cameras, it was just the dash cams, and they pointed the, the cop cars away from the scene. So it was only recording audio. So then the mm-hmm. cop is like, um, sir, I need you to put your hands on the car. And I'm like, my hands are on the car. And he's like, if you don't comply, we'll have to cuff you. 
And I'm like, I am complying. My hands on the are on the car. And they're like, and then the cop is like, sir, you're not complying. I'm going to approach you and handcuff you. And so, um, so I'm like, like, dude, you're lying. And it's like, sir, you're, you're being disruptive. And so they basically come and handcuff me, put them on like so lightly to make sure that there's like no marks or anything like that covering their tracks. So I'm like, well, these guys have done this before. And so they charged me with um, delaying an investigation which is an, an illegal investigation because the car was never reported stolen. Like right. they, they should have just ran my plates and been like, well, dude, this car is not reported stolen. Like you're like, you're tripping. And then, so, um, so I ended up having to spend the night in jail, which um, messed up a lot of things for me. I had a no call, no show at work. So I lost that job. Wow. I missed the funeral, miss, miss one of my best friends funeral. And um, I ended up, you know, getting sick in jail. So, um, you know, because I was new at both of these jobs. I've been working them for maybe like a couple months. So I was still on probation. And so I ended up getting um, like bronchitis in jail. And so uh, I, I ended up losing both of my jobs and missing the funeral, you know, all because they're trying to turn, you know, trying to find a, a fantasy car thief that doesn't even exist. And like, they knew I was the registered owner, knew my license was valid, knew I had insurance, like every, everything paid up, like no outstanding tickets. And so um, I think that and a lot of other things that happened like in the subsequent years, but I think that kind of really like kind of turned me, um, I won't say into a downward spiral it definitely wasn't a spiral but it, it kind of nudged me in a, in a direction that I shouldn't have been in which allowed other things to happen and um, when I just think about how like the pursuit of justice was like didn't even exist it was just protect these cops make sure we don't you know get a lawsuit and I know it's crazy. Like I went to go speak to a lawyer about that specific incident and um, it was an old white guy. And he was like, he's like, Hey son, um, you know, sit down. I'm gonna tell you some stuff. And um, it's not going to be good. And he's wow. like, you know, like, like, like this is fucked up. What they did is illegal and there ain't shit you can do about it. And um, he was like, you know, if you sue, you'll win in court a hundred percent, you'll win. And he's like, but they made sure that they didn't cause any physical harm to you, you know? So the settlement amount is gonna be under a million. So that means that no lawyer is gonna take it contingency um, or, or pro bono. So you're gonna have to pay up front. They're gonna spend three, 4 million dragging this out in court. So you're gonna be going to court for three, four, five years and then you're gonna win a couple hundred thousand dollars. The lawyer's gonna take most of it and you're gonna put up 50, 60, 70 grand to just get back 100, 150 grand after five years. And he's like, so if you have someone who is willing to give you 50, 60, 70 grand, he's like, just take that money and go to college, start a business. He's like, because this is a battle that, that you can't win. Even if you win, you'll still lose. Wow. So, yeah, so just, wow. just that. And then, you know, family stuff and just 
but also in, in really just um, fighting for my for my career and, and my, my professional career and you know keeping an entrepreneurship mindset so I think those are just some of the things that that I like overcame so uh, so tying back to the title overcoming adversity you know, yes that's that's what it would be man you for sure you embody that just from that death, <laughs> entire experience alone like it's crazy how I can't I can't even imagine going through what you went through in that you know what I mean like mentally I can't even imagine how damaging that could be you know what I'm saying like yeah. Like that's, it's incredible that you made it through and survived that to the point where you're thriving beyond it. Like it's not a center point of your life. And I, and I appreciate that. So then that's, wow, thank you. All right, so talk about a moment or experience that shaped your life. What's funny is I feel like we already went over that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I, 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 I'll, I'll give a good one. A moment or an experience that shaped my life. Um, You know, I think it would be. Um, we used to have these 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 um, like these family reunions um, back in Joliet, you know, outside of Chicago, and so all the family from all over the country would come down. Nice. And um, you know, and it was just really like a like a celebration of our excellence, you know, and um, definitely black excellence, but also just like our family, and uh, you know, we always had like strong family ties. Um, on, on both sides, but but um, on my mom's side in um, in Illinois, we would you know always go out there and we, we would wait like a year, two years until we would go back and you know everybody would like would just like link up and you know we're running around and eating good, staying up late, you know and um, and I, I think that really taught us that like um, the the most the most valuable experiences in life are, are with people and not with like objects. And so it's like, you, you do have to get the bag, you know, you do have to, you know, be about your business, but you're truly enriched by those who you share your experiences with. And so um, I think that really like shaped my life and really just gave me like the strength and understanding to, um, to overcome some of those things I experienced, you know, even though, I didn't always use it at the right time, but it was, it was there. So then I had to kind of, you know, tap into it, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I think just, just, ha just having those strong family experiences, like really, really shaped my life and really just, um, you know, I think, I think just made it so easy to fit in, like with, like with the giants Den group, you know, and just yeah. being, being comfortable being around like other powerful people and and um being comfortable in my power but not intimidated by other people's power you know and understanding that like there are times when you need to shut up and there's times when you need to talk and sometimes you might if sometimes you might have to talk over somebody and hey hold on let me get the floor right. but others sometimes someone might have to talk over you and and you know and you have to like you just understand that balance and so um yeah, yeah, my, my family definitely shaped my life a lot. Man, that's awesome. So what is your legacy? Mm. I, I think my legacy is, um, is just being an example. You know, I, I want to, um, I want to be an example of, of, um, Hmm, that's a tough question. 
you know, because it's, it's multi-parts, you know, I want to be an example of like a black professional, you know, I want to be an example of a good friend, you know, I want to be an example of, um, you know, not having to sacrifice like who you are or, or dumb your personality down, um, you know, for, um, to, to reach your goals or be successful. You know, I like see that a lot in, um, you know, in the corporate world where, where people, would try to be too corporate, you know, and, and think that like, oh, well, if I, you know, sacrifice myself or, you know, um, then I'll get a better outcome. You know, um, like one thing people like telling me is like, man, you should probably cut your beard if you're going to, you know, go corporate. And it's like, nah, man, like this is, you know, like I've been waiting. That's who you are. I, I, I've been waiting too many years to grow this thing out. So when it finally <laughs> came out, like it's here. And, you know, they're going to accept it, you know, or not, you know, I'm going to be, you know, authentically me and, uh, and they're accepting it because they don't have a choice. So, you know, like if you want someone who's going to come in and look a certain way, then you're going to lose out on what I bring to the table. And most places don't want to lose out on that. So, um, but, um, but, but really just, just being an example um, and and being a change agent, you know, I, I really want, to make a difference. And I think um, it's it's nice to have your name on a, on the billboard and, and nice to, you know, have the, you know, the, the Rock Nation brunch and, you know, and all this. But I think um, you can leave just as big of an impact by, by planting seeds. And and that's, that's what I try to do. And I think um, some of the most rewarding work that I've done, you know, has, has been the quietest work, you know. Um, getting, you know, corporate, you know, accolades and, and, and promotions and things like that is great. But but some of the most rewarding work that I've done is um, I was a director for a youth sports program. And, oh, this, this moment right here really, really, really cuts deep. So um, I was um, running um, youth basketball leagues all over Southern California, you know, from, you know, in, in L.A. County, Orange County, San Bernardino, Riverside, I mean, everywhere, you know, where I was running like seven leagues at once and also doing like skills classes in other cities. And it was just a lot, a lot going on, you know? And so, um, so there was this one time when uh, this one dad and his son, you know, they, and his two sons came up to me and they were just like, man, I just want to thank you for, for everything that you've done, you know, for, for running, you know, this league and putting this on. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, that's, that's what it's about, man. You know, give the kids somewhere to, 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 to run around and, you know, and, and get better and blow off some steam. And he's like, no, no, like, you don't you don't get it. You know, I'm like, well, that's what it is. You know, the little kids playing <laughs> basketball, mo- most of them suck. But, you know, hey, like, you know, it's yeah, all good. Fun. They're out yeah. there, you know, missing wide open layouts. You know, I mean, wide open layups. But, you know, we, we love it. You know, they're out there <laughs> getting, getting sweaty. They're all going to go to bed early and, you know, maybe a couple of them will really develop a love for basketball and put the work in and, and go great places. And he's like, he's like, no, it's deeper than that. He's like, like my wife just died of cancer a few months ago. And he's like, you gave us a place to heal our family. Wow. Oh, he was like, yeah. He's like, so now it's just me and the boys and like, you know, we don't, like we didn't know what to do and we saw this league and we needed like something structured, something to, to bring us together. We needed something to help us heal. 
And he's like, and this league, you know, provided that. And That's he's like, so man. thank you. And so I was just like, oh man, I'm like, well, like, you know, like I'm honored, you know, and, and his little sons were standing right behind him and they were just like, yeah, like, and I'm just like, well, I didn't know that this had like that much of an impact, you know? And so, um, so. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, the seed planting, I think, um, you know, can, can also have a bigger effect than some of the big things. And so that's, that's what I, you know, want my legacy to be. I, I agree. I, I like, I like what you said, especially uh, the part, and I'm gonna go way back the part where you were saying about uh, a black businessman, right? Cause right in there, there's a conversation of professionalism equating to uh, white practices in business, right? And so it's like, you gotta shave your beard, like you were saying, shave your beard and all this other stuff. And the fact that you're doing the business the way that you're doing it and looking the way that you're looking, it's, it's being included in that conversation in a great way. Cause you're doing great business. You're doing good work. You know what I mean? So I'm like, Appreciate it. good job. Thank you, man. I, I think that's something that we all do, man. It's so crazy, man. One, one, one of my um, good friends, he's a, a marketing professor at Cal State Fullerton. So, so that's where I graduated from. And I, I keep in close contact with like a lot of the fa faculty because um, they just mess with the energy. So while I was dealing with, you know, all my, my, my troubles and, you know, stuff with the law, you know, I took a break from school. So when I went back, I was like a little bit older and I was like, oh man, this ain't even fair for these kids. Cause I'm, I'm trying to mess the curve up. Like I'm trying to like, you know, I, I was having them like, like begging me, like, can you please study with me? And, you know, so I'm going through and I'm like, I'm trying to get an A in every class. I'm like, I'm trying to raise the bar so high. And so, um, so I was in touch with like a lot of the faculty and I would go back and like guest speak and, and stuff like that. Nice. And so one time I went back and um, so I see some dude and he's like, maybe like a little bit younger than me. And he's in a suit with some J's on and dreads down his back. And, and he's like running the whole show. So I'm like, wait a minute, like, okay. like who is this dude? Like, you feel me? And so yeah. I, I go up to him and I'm, I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? I never met you before. Um, you, you new here? And he's like, yeah, I'm the new, I'm the new marketing professor, man. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm Dr. Dorsey, man. You can, you can call me Joshua, but my friends call me Hove. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, okay. That's what's up. And, and I mean, that man, he, he, he just embodies what you said, you know, because um, he's like, check this out. Like I dress nice. I like to dress nice, but you're going to see a whole bunch of J's and a whole lot of dreads. So if you got a problem with that, like if you like suits, good, me too. But if you don't like Jay-Z, you don't like dreads, then like don't hire me because like, yeah. And I'm going to bring the, the level of your, your, um, your marketing um, faculty, you know, so high that like, it's in your best interest to just adapt to what I'm doing. And, um, and, and he really, you know, went and he teaches, you know, I mean, 99% others. And, and, and he, you know, he, he just really just embodies that. And it's just like, hey, this is what a successful black man who doesn't compromise looks like. You know, and then they sometimes they'll think like, oh, he's like the youngest professor because he, he's like 36 or 37. So they're like, oh, he's like close to our age. He got shoe game. 
She's like, oh, this is going to be your hardest class of the semester. So, yeah. like, <laughs> this is going to be your hardest class. I'm your most unforgiving professor. Like, I know my stuff the most. Like, I do the most research outside of teaching. And, and he just has that bar set, like, so high. And I think nice. it's like a shock for, for some people. So, um, so just seeing, seeing my boy do that, you know, after knowing him over the years, it's like good to see, you know, other people, you know, take that same, take that same step and not compromise. That's what's up. I had, I had a professor like that in college, man. It was the tough, toughest class. He was the blackest of black people and all of the teachers. And he was there. One of the, one of the oldest he had, he was probably one of the most tenured professors. Mm. And I, I can't tell you how much I learned from like he was one of the few people where I literally would take a recorder in class and pay mm. attention and take notes in class and record him while he's talking. And yeah. then when I would go to sleep that night, I would listen to the things because I knew that the test was going to be that hard that I needed to have instant recall because he was just wow. that on point. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know what, I know what you mean, man. He was on point and I learned so much from him, though, you know, That's lit, I'm, though. I'm, I'm glad I was able to rise to the challenge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, nah, and you have to sometimes and like really just like doing like like what needs to be done. You know, yeah. I was telling my brother the other day, I was like, you know, one of the greatest um, benefits from college, because college isn't for everybody. You know, I was successful in business before I got my degree, you know, nice. like running all those youth sports programs. And that was before I had a degree. And, and um, but um, I'm like one of the most beneficial parts of college is college teaches you how to do things that you don't know how to do. And it just trains you to do things like, I don't know how to do this. All right, now this is how I learned how to do it. And this is how I do it. And you know, even it just instantly, instantly made me think of that when you said um, with, that you would go to sleep listening to it. So you have, you know, so you would have instant yeah. recall yep. and you're like recording lectures. And it's like, um, you know, especially if you're gonna be a business owner, like you have to have that, that mindset, you know? And like a lot of people want to have a super successful business or, or a great career and they want to work, you know, like, in, like McDonald's, you know? Yeah. Just work for somebody, had them tell them what to do and keep it moving. I know exactly Facts. what you mean with that. Facts. But yeah, so moving on, what do you want five generations from now to know about you? Um, Five generations from now, just to know know that that you don't have to compromise to be successful. That part, yeah. I mean, seriously, that part. Like, I I think it's understated, and people are starting to finally understand it. With like certain artists is making it more prominent, like Toby and Weeway, right? Making yeah. purpose popular, right? So like, it's just so many people that are starting to get into being yourself is the secret sauce. Being who you're gonna be is the secret sauce. Being yeah. confident in that and being conscious of it is the secret sauce, right? So That's just being fair. confidence in those motions. I 100% agree, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, great tip, fantastic tip. Right. <laughs> so moving on, do you believe in reparations? Why or why not? And what does it look like to you? Uh, I definitely believe in reparations. I mean, because I mean, like, to, to not believe in reparations is is really a thing of like being in denial and and or, or ignorant, you know, um, combination of the two. Um, I think mainly just denial, though. So I, I believe in reparations because it's like 
when you take something, it needs to be restored. You know what I mean? If if um, if I get into a car accident and I crash into your car, your insurance company is gonna restore your car, and they're going to get those those funds back from my insurance company or for me. And while your car gets fixed and you're driving back down the street, you know, doing your um, doing your film and and doing your your meetings and doing what Deonton does. They're gonna sick lawyers on whoever whoever the hell they need to to get that bread, and they're not gonna stop until yeah. they get that bread. They're not, and they're gonna they're going to get it. If I hit your car, someone's going to pay, bro. Period. Someone's gonna pay, and so um, you know, so when something is taken, it needs to be restored. And there is just so much taken. You know, I mean. We, we need reparations for stuff that happened in our lifetime. Not not just slavery. You know right. what I mean? Like we need reparations from stuff that happened. You know, I mean, like the United States government was was legally found liable for Martin Luther King's death. You know, like you look at all that nonsense with COINTELPRO and, you know, trying to turn. Um, and it's so funny how um, Martin Luther King's image was like whitewashed and he was turned into an American hero. You know, he, he was public enemy number one. They wanted to destroy that man, you know, yeah. and they, they did ultimately, um, you know, so it's, it's just crazy. Like just how the government will mount so many forces and, and all they have to do is just be like, Hey, this is better for like America, which, which is code word for, you know, white, white, white America, you know? And so, um, and, and it's so funny, even the term white America, like, was very different, you know, even just like decades ago. Like, um, I think with the influx of Hispanics and, 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 uh, and Asians and Africans, they finally allowed, you know, Jewish, Irish and Italians to be like considered like white. Right. Like, it's, it's, so, it's so crazy, but, but um, you know, I definitely think that reparations are, are necessary just because there's such a disadvantage, you know, from like from housing, you know, it's like, like, how, how come there are no all white projects? Like, why are all the projects like black? Like who like who made that decision? You know, and and, you know, I, why would I would I would dare say the white equivalent is maybe a trailer park. And, I think and that and that's and that's maybe. very true. That's very true. And and and. The white equivalent is a trailer park, but why were white people sent to trailer parks? You know what I mean? And I think that lies into the, the thing that, that, that um, you know, overcrowding in urban areas with, with purposeful scarcity, you know, put in these places, um, you know, yeah. leads to increased, you know, crime, you know, increased violence, uh, you know, just like the whole thing with like food deserts. And, and it's so funny, like I met, um, I met up with one of my boys, um, he goes by Ambitious Hippie. And he was just like, we need to stop using the term food desert because the food ain't grown in the suburbs neither. The food ain't grown in, in yeah. nice neighborhoods. Like, so it's not a desert, <laughs> like it's on purpose. Like, like, you know what I mean? And yeah. You know, it's like, how are you going to build these urban areas and build these, um, you know, projects and then, you know, purposely divert resources and be like, oh, well, you know, it's a it's a it's a business move. 
you know, where it's like, well, you guys plan this community. So it's like, what are the people supposed to do? And then it's funny because like they, um, a community group tried to buy the Crenshaw Mall and came up with, with the money and made the highest bid. And they're still, you know, trying to turn their bid down for, for whatever reason. But, you know, it's like- um, For no other reason than they don't want to. Yeah, because, and so there, there's just the car, the, the deck is stacked against us so many times, you know, and it's like when I was going to college and stuff, like my white classmates weren't, you know, getting pulled over for, for taillights and being told that they weren't, you know, illegal. So, so, I mean, reparations are definitely necessary. You know, you look at um, the Iran Contra thing where, where they were letting the Nicaraguan Contra sell drugs you know, in the black communities because mm -hmm. it was um, the, the, the proceeds were going to fight communism. And it's like, okay, we, we probably don't want a communist Nicaragua, you know, because at that time, like Russia, you know, like was a threat, like I get it, but you can't sacrifice the black community to, to further a political agenda and then turn around and be like, look at these people, they're all criminals. And it's like, you just let right. these, you get, you gave these people a get out of jail free card and then turned around and blamed us. You know, I think Jay-Z said that in one of his, in one of his lyrics, you know, but um, I think what reparations would look like, I think, uh, I think, it, I think the best reparations would be uh, education right now. Um, I think right now might be too premature for cash reparations. You know, because I think, um, I, you know, not throwing no shade. I know a couple of brothers who got their reparations from the PPP loans. <laughs> and um, I know, wish I was one of them. That'd be nice. It, it didn't it didn't go too well for most of them. Oh, they was lying. Yeah. I'm glad I'm I mean, not. Well, not no one I know. They, they actually, <laughs> a couple of the brothers I know, they didn't get arrested. They just That's what's up. they just blew through the money and didn't like do. I'm like. Like, bro, <laughs> that's how it be. You got money to start a business. You didn't start a business. Like, what are you doing? I mean, the, the drip is fresh, though. <laughs> like, like you do like you ready to hit the BET yep. awards or something. But I'm like, you know, so so um, I think cash reparations could be like maybe even like a third stage. I think first first, like overhaul the whole educational system, you know, like our schools, like you know, and that's also one of the issues is that like schooling is based on like local taxes. So um, the poorer the neighborhood, the the less resources the schools have. So that neighborhood is yeah. probably going to stay poor. You know, and it's it's just crazy just seeing like the the, the disparity, and um, that that just needs to be changed. You know, and it's it's like schools need to be the same. You know, like, like you, should, no matter what district you're in, you should get the same experience at school, and it's probably going to cost more in lower income communities because of all the other problems that they deal with with systemic racism. But then, if you have to invest more to make it equal, then more needs to be invested. And um, I think after that, then it would be like, um, you know. Um, just resources and funds to help start black businesses. Um, 
and, and resources to help, um, you know, black professionals, you know, move up, you know, yeah. like, um, like I think of like how crazy it, I found out that the CEO of Walmart um, was a white guy. He started um, unloading trucks at Walmart and, and, and really just the wow. example of like pulling yourself up by the bootstraps where, um, you know, he worked himself through college, got his bachelor's, um, became like a supervisor, worked himself through college again, got an MBA and then became an executive, you know, worked himself all the way up to the CEO. But you see so many, um, so many of the other challenges that come, you know, with being black, you know, just knowing that like, I got to put up with the police and I got to put up with this and put up with that, that mm-hmm. like a story like that is, is much more difficult you know, for a black person to, to, to come to fruition. And um, so, yeah, I, I think reparations are definitely needed. And I think once we get educational and business equality, like then we should get some cash reparations. Like, um, like just recently, I, I, was it the city of Santa Monica that with Bruce's Beach? What city was that? Oh yeah, that's us. Uh, I believe that is Santa Monica, Bruce's Beach. Yeah, so they, they just, like the the, the city did an eminent domain and basically took over um, a family's beach property because you know at that time um, the beach clubs were segregated so there was a, a, a lot for sale so if the family the Bruce family they they bought the lot uh, made a black beach club and said hey you know so now we have somewhere where black families can go to the beach and not have to worry about it you know, worry about, you know, segregation or racism or anything like that. And so the city came and took, you know, took that property away and said, oh, we need it, you know, for this and that. So they, they just stole the property and now it's worth like 75 million. Yep. And like, when you think how many times that's happened over the years, probably countless. And, and you know, we're, we're looking at billions of dollars, man. Like even with the, the subprime mortgage collapse and yeah. In 2007, 2008, back then, I mean, like billions of dollars of black wealth was, was lost, you know, and it's eminent domain. Just, it's just, yeah, it's unfortunate. But yeah, uh, Bruce's Beach, uh, I had to look it up because I'm like, I, I think it was Santa Monica, but it's Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which is why it's worth so much money. Yeah. So yeah, man. All right, so tell me a story about a family member. Hmm, a story about a family member. Actually, you know what, pause. Um, I just want to say for, I appreciate that you said about reparations, what you are if you don't believe in reparations. Because a lot of people always talk about why they believe something, but nobody really speaks about what does it mean if you don't believe in it? Right. Like because so many people have to want to push forward their belief about something and just simply defining what a non-believer is makes a lot of sense, especially in this instance. And a lot of people don't do that. So thank you for adding body to that definition. First off. Um, Mm. And I 100 percent agree with you with with the money thing, like money right now, when the circumstances are so unequal, wouldn't make it equal. Right. You have to make the circumstances equal before we can even infuse cash in it to make it worth something. Right. Like we got to make it back to normal before we can even repair it. Like we're repairing just to get to normal. So I 100 percent agree with doing it in like a staged way. Like I I don't think I've heard anyone say it in that way. And that's a that's a fantastic, fantastic observation. So mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, thank you for that. 
Appreciate it. Okay, so now on to the next question. All right, all right. Tell me a story about a family member. Um, let's see. So just like any kind of story or what? Uh, whatever you would like. So uh, this is being sent to the to the Library of Congress. So in terms of history, uh, in any form, it could be funny, heartfelt, whatever whatever story is good for you that you want to share that includes someone that you want to want to also include. All right, I, I got a story. So I talked about my, my grandfather um, outside of Chicago, how he, um, you know, he marched with Dr. Dr. King, um, you know, helped Obama before he was even a senator. You know, back when Obama always says, like, I started as a, you know, community worker doing community service. Like, he really did. He went around the Chicago area, like, worked with different pastors and things. And, and he worked with my grandfather on a few things briefly. You know, not not like a crazy long amount of time. And so um, so my grandfather was like accomplished a lot. You know, he has a, a elementary school named after him. And, you know, and he like really left this like rich legacy, but not like a financial one. But I mean, he, he really gave the blueprint. And I think it's even more valuable like than money than like, all right, here's a hundred thousand. I think what he left us was more than that. And so his, his, um, just his mentality. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. So, so he's from um, a little country town in Louisiana called Tallulah. And, you know, and, you know, they, they were, they were country fighters, you know what I mean? And so like, mm, yeah. so he's like a pastor and, you know, knows dignitaries and this and that, and, you know, man of God, but, um, you know, he was not to be played with. So, um, so one time when he had that just moved to Illinois, um, there was like this little bridge that like went over a river and it was like a one lane bridge. And so the first car, you know, that, that gets to the bridge, if it's clear, then you cross. And if you get to the bridge and if another car is coming, then, you know, you wait for the car to come across, then you can go because it's only one car can fit. So, so one day he's driving his car and um, he gets to the bridge. It's clear. So he goes, so he goes across and, um, you know, he's driving across the bridge and then a, a white guy comes and, you know, the white guy sees that there's a car on there and says, I'm gonna go anyway. So then he comes. And then, so, you know, my grandfather, you know, you know, man of God. And, you know, it's just like, Hey, you know, so that they meet and he's like, hey, you know, you, you got to back your car up because I'm not going to like back my car up. Like, plus I have way more to back up because I'm almost crossed. And so the white guy is like, you know, says some stuff I'm not going to repeat and, you know, um, made a threatening gesture. So basically to, to defend himself, uh, my grandfather, you know, threw the man over the bridge got in his car, backed his car up <laughs> and got in his car and went about his way, you know? And so, um, wow. so, so he, you know, he was a very honorable man, but you know, you, you threaten him, you put him in a corner, you might not get the reaction you might expect, you, you would expect. And so, um, you know, so that's, 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 yeah, that's my grandfather in that show. So I think that's where some of the no compromise and, and being yourself, you know, it came from. Yo, that's a cool story, though. He really threw the man over the bridge. 
Yeah, I That's mean, it awesome. was in self, it, it was it was in self defense, you know. Uh, uh, but um, we said that you know we're like okay, like Poppy did not survive, and he's like, nah, I, I saw him like swim to the edge and get out, like so. <laughs> See, in my <laughs> mind. Like, in my mind, I immediately thought he survived. I was like, oh, I'm sure it's water under the bridge. He was fine. Like, I just yeah. immediately went to that because I'm like, I, I, I couldn't think of the words. Like, yeah, no, because at right. first, because the first time you hear the story, you're like, oh, it threw a man in the water. We're like, wait, did he did he make it out? Like, right. And he's right. like, nah, yeah, he made, he made it out. He made it out. But, you know, but the guy, you know, he came at me. So I threw him over the bridge, got in his car, backed his car up for him, <laughs> closed the door. Left the keys in the seat for him, and you know went about my business. That's what he so. did. Wow. All right. What do you love most about being black? Oh man. Um, I think like so so so. The word that comes to mind is family, and I think it's like your immediate family and just the bonds, then your your extended family, but then also like the community. You know, and it's like um, even something as small as like, you know, like the head nod, like when you see another black man and it's just yeah. like, like, hey, bro, I see you, you know, like we, we don't even yeah. got to say hi, you know, we don't got to exchange business cards. I don't got to like dap you up. I just take not like I see you. And, right. and so just the community um, and just really that's just everything to me, you know, and I think it's an honor. Like I consider myself lucky to have been born black. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really a great, a great feeling, you know, Amen. Just, just to know the impact, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we were, we were limited in, in so many ways that I think um, it's just like human nature to, to overcome. And so I think like our, our cultural, um, just like our, our cultural, you know, strength really just comes from being excluded from society to where, you know, we develop this sense of humor, you know, this sense of music and and, yeah. and, and just this way of doing things and style and and um, I think it's emulated, you know, so much. And uh, and I think some you know, they say they say um uh, that um what is it? Uh, Uh, copying someone is the is the sincerest form of flattery, and oh, yeah. so I think that there is like some um, levels where where it's good to see people like engage in our culture and see, you know how um, how our culture can provide happiness to so many people. Um, I think there there are levels where like, the cultural appropriation like goes too far, but um, agreed. But but I do think that just having like that sense of community and just like just yeah it's just it's just it's just everything you know what do you think about current times uh i think current times i think we're very polarized um i think i think the american way is like is always having an enemy like like america's whole history we've always like had like a big bad it's almost like thanos in the avengers you know what i mean and yeah. um, so, so now, you know, communism is on the decline, and things like that. And and China is 
there's not even really like a cold war, like how things were with Russia. I think China is fighting like an economic like war and, and they're really um, trying to gain influence um, economically because mm-hmm. um, they know they can't <clears throat> they can't catch us like with military right so what that does is like we don't we don't have like a nightly news enemy like right now and right. i think that's causing like america to turn um turn on on herself and and everything is just really polarized and and i think um i think i think white america is scared in a lot of ways um and when i say that i mean like the older generations and and they're scared that um uh, that with all of these movements of like equality, um, it's like it's like power in society is at a constant level, no matter how things are balanced on the inside. And so I think some older white men are are feeling that um, they're losing power, and they're they feel like a more proper redistribution is is taking something from them, and I think they're like very offended you know, by that, which I think, um, you know, the younger generation, you know, maybe like, like 45 and under don't necessarily like feel like that. And um, I think that even scares them even more, you know, like, um, I think it was like a big thing in the last couple of years that, that Orange County, you know, finally became, um, you know, blue, you know, it was like, like a Democrat right. county. It's, it's even though there are way more Republicans here than most places in Southern California, you know, I think it's it's very you know scary, and um, I think that's where like the whole Trump movement, MAGA movement, you know, came from. It's like make America great again, and so it's like, but like, what does that even mean? You know, and it's like an innuendo for, you know, for hey, let's stop all these other folks from taking you know from us, you know, and right. so. Um, you know, I think I think ultimately America will be all right. Like we don't, like we don't have a choice. You know, like, like I think we're gonna be all right. But um, I think um, just more understanding w- will help. And I think that's also why you see like the values from like the younger generation. You know, so different because you know a lot of the and because the most the, the people in power are mostly white men. So, yep. You know, that's it just is what it is. And I think most of these white men see that like, oh shoot, like my kids think different than me. And, and you know, and we're the minority now. And so things are gonna change whether you like it or not. So I think a lot of it is like just acting out of desperation. You know, when you look at like the the January 6th insurrection, yep. like it was so crazy. Like last, um, well, maybe like six, six, seven weeks ago, I was out in DC and um, went to like the the Lincoln Memorial, you know, the Martin Luther King Monument and, and just seeing all this stuff. And it was just, it was, it was dope. And so when I was leaving DC, about to uh, drive up to Philly, I'm leaving DC, drive past the Capitol. And I'm like, oh man, that's the Capitol, you know? And then right. bam, like, it just hit me. Like all the, the, the seeing, you know, seeing cops get beat by with American flagpoles and, you know, and just all of that craziness and just people in denial, and conspiracy theories. And I was just like, and it was just like real heavy, you know, and I'm like, wow, like a couple months ago, this was um, the scene of one of the like darkest and ugliest like times in American history. Like it's yep. crazy. 
So, um, yeah, I just think things are really polarized. And I think it's, um, you know, just a lot of reasons, you know, and even um, stepping away from like that power redistribution, you know, like one thing I said was that understanding will help, but um, where, where media is and, and social media and, and, you know, just almost worshiping celebrities, um, people's attention spans are so short. And it's so crazy that like people will like go on Instagram and argue points and, and repost stuff that they won't even like literally, you can talk to your phone now. Like you can say like, hey Siri, like, okay Google yep. or something. And, and then ask a question and get an answer and they won't do it. And that's like you have all this information at your fingertips, but you'll, um, believe something that somebody posts because it's in front of your face and it's so crazy that like when I think back of like when I was like in grade school you know you had to go through encyclopedias you had to go oh, to man, the yes. library I was yeah I man was, I remember I was three or four years old I had a set of encyclopedia I read I was on punishment one time and I read the entire set like I was three or four years old reading a whole set of encyclopedia because that's all I had Right? Yeah. And I'm like, they don't they don't have encyclopedias anymore. It's all online. It's Wikipedia. It's crazy. But but like we need that because like as a kid, like I used to read the encyclopedia, too. You know, like we used to get yeah. like, you know, magazine subscriptions and all that. Like you read the magazine three times. It's like, ugh. you know, and it, another one. Yeah. It's so crazy. Now the kids it's just like, bam, Fortnite, 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 you know, Fortnite, Instagram, Snapchat, <laughs> yep. you know, and so. um yeah, man, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy that like, like there's so much information at your fingertips and it's, it's so convenient and you rely on it so much that you almost like don't even question it, you know? Cause like, if you go yeah. on Instagram and look at some stuff about politics, you know, and maybe not today, but, but back, but a few years back, most of it would be true. You know, like if you, if you yeah. like, you know, a few years back, you know, five, six years back, you go on, online and you look up something about like, you know, a disease or something. Most of the information you find is going to be true. So now like people are like conditioned to be like, you know, my phone has so much truth in it that whatever I see on my phone must be true. Absolutely. And it's like, it's, it's so crazy, man. So I think that really like leads to it. Like that whole, this whole big thing about like, um, than trying to ban critical race theory and like most people don't even know what it is and it's just like dude you can just like ask siri and siri will like tell you but it's right. yeah it's it's like it's like it's 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 really sad man like um, it's like you got a lot of people that are volunteering for willful ignorance for sure yeah for sure man for sure all right so i, I feel like we may have went over this one too already but what was your first experience with racism um, my first experience with racism, again, would probably, um, well, you know what? I just thought of older, um, cause you know, like, I, like I, I was born in LA, um, grew up like in, um, in like Rialto or Reno Valley. So, um, you know, there was always kind of like a lot of black people around <clears throat> and, um, you know, like, like never really experienced too much racism like like personally 
Um, but I remember one time we did go to visit some family in in North Carolina when I was maybe like um, like 12. And um, one of my little cousins got accused of shoplifting when they didn't. And so it was like kind of a big deal. Like, like the adults had mm. to come and, and it's like, oh, we just think that he stole something. And it's like, what do you mean you think? Like, did you, did you see it? And it's like, well, they were just like looking at candy and, and it's like, okay, but what did you see them take? Like, they don't have any candy on them. And they're like, well, well, and it was just a lot of um, butts. And so um, I, it's, like it always really, is. it's like a, a really fuzzy memory, but, um, but um, I think that was like my first experience with racism where it was like, oh, dang, like we have to be careful going to the store. It's like, you know, it's like I'm in the South, like I'm not, you know, in California. So. Man, what's funny is when you started, started talking about the story, I immediately was reminded of an instance that I had when I was younger, when I was in, I think, eighth grade. And then the more you describe the story, the more I was like, yo, my story is almost identical. It's the wow. craziest thing. Like I was on an eighth grade trip uh, and we were uh, on a road trip going from Chicago to Florida. We were going to Disney World, right? And uh, we were at some gas station and, you know, eighth graders, we're all in a gas station. Ooh, candy this and toys that and drinks this. Let's get whatever we got, right? Cause this was like a full on happy trip. We were all just, you know, in our feelings, loving it. Right. And so I grab a piece of, I grab this stick of gum from one place, walk over to the other side, grab another stick, but then I see something else. So I put both of those down and grab the other thing. Right. And then by the time I get to the register, before I even get to the register, I'm like, you know what? I don't want this walk past the register. As I'm getting to the door, they stop me, empty your pockets. We think you stole something. Mm. And it, it was like, what? Like, I, I think I had swimming trunks on even. Like, I was so confused. Like, I was not expecting. Like, and then my teacher, she got mad. And she she went full, I'm black in this instance, and I know what's up. And she started going off on them. And in, in the moment, I was just not processing. Like, I, I don't have anything. Y'all can empty my pie. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't, it ain't no trouble. Like, I'm, I'm such a little kid at that moment. Mm -hmm. But she's full on offended black person. Like, she's who I would have been if I was in that situation now. Yeah, for you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I love her for that though, because thinking back on it, even in the moment, I'm just like, you know, it was whatever. But in, in thinking back on it, I was like, I'm so glad she was there to one, make light of what it really was and stand up for me, because nobody would ever really do that. And two, just being able to understand what she was going through now, right. so I can understand. I'm like, man, it's you know, it's, it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff in that kind of instance. So I, 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 when you started describing your story, I was like, bro, I know, I know exactly what that feeling is, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny because it, that, that happened to me again when I was a little bit older. I was like in my 20s, was taking my little sister um, somewhere. So my little sister was in my car, stopped at a gas station, was looking at some candy, didn't want nothing. And then um, I get in my car and then the owner, he runs out and he's like, you stole my candy. I saw you. And then he looks at my car and he's like, that's my candy right there because it was the same candy. And I'm like, dude, you don't even sell this flavor though. That that's why I was wow. looking at it. Because I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, that's oh, they have different ones here, you know? And so then he looked and he was just like so like shamed of himself that he oh. just like put his head down. And I'm like, dude, like relax, man. Like you coming out here accusing me of stealing something, like you don't even sell this item. Like, relax, bro. And he was and then, he was so ready to accuse you, man. Yeah. And it, but I'm like, man. 
what if and then it let me know like what if it would have been the same flavor though then he would he probably would have been ready to call the police and yeah. like dude you, you don't even sell this one in your store and yes yeah, it's, it's it's so crazy but like that could have been a whole thing if it just randomly would have been the same flavor right right all right and for the last question fill in the blank all black everything means blank All black everything, I think it means everything. Like literally, all black everything means everything. Like success, family, businesses, um, you know, education, entrepreneurship. You know, I think we really need to fight for um, fight for our space. You know, and I think it just comes from America taking so much from us. I mean, like this country was literally built you know, on our backs. And and now that like slavery is over and now this country like operates like in our mind frame, you know, like so many characters and in, uh, in even, even in today's shows, you know, follow back to like the minstrel show, um, you know, stereotypes and, and follow those, like those um, character archetypes, like the zip coon, and the mammy and the the black brute and it's so crazy that like and then you start seeing these characters end up in in other shows that aren't even related to black people right and it's just like what the heck like so i mean this country takes so much from us and just doesn't you know give back and i think um you know a lot of people have the view that like well this is the best place for y'all to live though. So just be happy. And it's like, well, it's the best place for you to live too. So, you know, like if, if you're not going to leave, I'm not going to leave. And so, you know, like, right. like this country, like this is ours. Like we built this country, like this country would not be what it is without the, the contributions of, um, of black America. So, you know, all black, everything like is literally everything like from top to bottom you know so. agreed 100 agreed man bobby thank you so much uh for the interview like i can't i can't even put into words exactly how impressive i think you are man like the 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 way that you just have went through life and the lessons that you've learned and the way that you still are after learning all those lessons like you know it takes a really strong strong will of mind to be where you are and to get through what you've gotten through because i can't say that i would have even been able to be where you are had i went through the same thing Right. I mean, I went through my own struggles, of course. My life ain't been no crystal stair either. You know what I'm saying? But I right. can't compare the struggle. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, yo, you 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 did way more than win when it came to that cop. And like when he was like, you're going to go through this whole process to win just a little bit of money and you still lose. You literally found the way to actually win and yeah. you're living it right now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that's the part that we don't really talk about. Like, all of these cops are so willing to put a target on our backs. They're so willing to kill us. They're so willing to accuse us. They're so willing to do everything to get us out of their way, even when we're not even in their apartment or neighborhood or even city sometimes. They're, they're so willing to do that. But the fact that we exist and we have the state of mind that we have and we're doing the things that we do and we have the concerns that we have like you do, that's mm -hmm. without a doubt a win. You're winning. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So... Thank you for thank you for winning. Thank you for sharing because all of the stories that you share, bro, these have been some of the best stories I've heard. Period. Point blank. You had had a fantastic life, and you shared all of the fantastic stories from it, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. 
And, and, and really, man, I just want to give kudos to you, man. Like, you, you bring it every day, bro. Every day, man. And, and everything you do, you have the bar set, like, so high. And that, like, so when I look at you, I see, like, a hip-hop dude. Like, if you if you would tell me that, like, yo, you know, I, I rap or I sing or I play an instrument or I do, um, I make beats or I'm an engineer, something like that, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, and you might do some of those things. I'm not, I don't know, but a little bit as a, as a businessman, I mean, in, in the way you conduct yourself is like, like I might not be in a suit and tie, but you might as well just picture me in a suit and tie when you're dealing with me, because you just, you just have a bar for excellence, like raised so high, man. And like, and you bring it every damn day, man. And so I think um, it's just, it's an honor. To, to even be on this platform it's um it's been a great experience and i think you put a lot of things in perspective you know and it's like you, you always know the right thing to say at the right time and it's like i think a lot of people just seeing other people interact with you i think people realize that because it's like when deanton speaks like he's about to say some shit like and, and and i think people just know instinctually just to give you the floor and uh and a lot of times, you know, you speak in just um, your consistency and you just speak in, in your work, you know, like a lot of times you don't even speak with with words. And I think that is part of your art. You know, you're like yes, I'm better. <laughs> That's my job. Gotta be, yeah. You know, but but um, it shows, though, man, it shows. So like, brother, thank you. Thank it's you. Definitely been an honor, man. Man, that that is that has been, that is the most, that is the best compliment I've ever gotten, man. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much it means to me to hear that because all of the stuff that you're talking about, like I, 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 in my mind, I want to model those behaviors and those things. And I'm like, I want people to take that away from me. And, and the, to hear that without even doing it, like I'm doing something right. So thank you, man. You're doing something right. So you're doing a lot right, actually. You're doing a lot right. So you thank are, you. You are thank too, you. man. And I, I, it's just dope to have a platform where we, where we big each other up, man, because Yes, like, like we need to man. like we need to so absolutely this is necessary speaking of which um just before we finish out um so i did start the new series on the throne um okay. uh so me and Devante and um and danny and dominique were all hosts on it right um so i will absolutely be looking forward to seeing you on the show okay because okay. Uh, that's that's something I, shameless plug let me put it that yeah. way Shameless plug because it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, featuring Giants Den members. You're gonna be one of them on there, man. And right. I, I am just so looking forward. Just even after this conversation, I'm like, I know you have so much more to share, and I'm just looking forward to it, bro. All right, let's get it, man. So, I'm man, excited. So thank man. you, thank you, thank yeah. you, man. If you don't understand why I chose Bobby's interview for today for Ujima, go back and listen again because there were so many good stories that he shared. Bobby, thank you so much for sharing and being a part of history. There are so many people that benefited from hearing this. So thank you for listening and see you tomorrow. This is All Black Everything. Peace.